Pentecost, you know him. Pentecost. Sermon is entitled Dry Bones, Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me, Ezekiel, out by the Spirit of the Lord. And he set me in the middle of a valley, and the valley God set me in was full of bones. He led me back and forth among the bones, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. The bones were very dry. They had been dead for a long, long time. And he asked me, God asked me, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And I said to him, Lord, I don't know the answer to that question, but you do. So let me ask you, can these bones live? And God said to me, I want you to preach to the bones, Ezekiel. And I want you to say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord, hear the promises of God, hear the power of God, hear the love of God, hear everything that God has to say to you. Preach to them God's word. And this is what the sovereign Lord says to the bones. You tell them that I will make breath enter you, dry bones, and you will come back to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am God when my breath brings you back to life. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a loud noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh covered the bones, and skin covered the bones, but there was no life in the bones. Then he said to me, prophesy one more time to the bones, and preach to them that the breath, the breath of God shall enter them. Come from the four winds, O breath of God, O Holy Spirit, and breathe into these dead bones that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath entered them, the Spirit of God entered them, and they came back to life, and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. And then he said to me, Ezekiel, these bones are the house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we're in captivity, we've been away from God for such a long time, we are cut off from his kingdom, he remembers us no longer, and I want you to prophesy and say to them, O my people, I'm going to open up your graves, and your deadness shall come back to life, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel, I will put my Holy Spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land, and you will know that I have done it, you will know that God is alive, and that God has brought you back to life, and then you will serve Him, and His breath shall come out of your mouth, and your breath shall enter others. The Holy Spirit of God on Pentecost. There are three times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in great significance in the Bible. One of them is very quiet. Two of them are very loud. The quiet one is Genesis 1, verse 2. Very second verse in the Bible. Genesis 1, we'll leave that for God. God created the heavens and the earth. 
We'll let God be the first verse, but here comes the Holy Spirit in verse number two. And it says this, it says, The Holy Spirit hovered over the waters of this earth. The earth was tohu abohu without form and void. And the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters of this earth. And then God spoke those words, Let there be light. And the connection cannot be missed. Because the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, when God says, let there be light, the Holy Spirit comes crashing down upon this earth. It is not a gentle shower. It is the whole power of God let loose upon this earth. And when the Holy Spirit has breathed breath into this world that is without form and void, what do we have? We have plants and animals and seed-bearing plants and dry ground and waters above the earth and waters under the earth and sun, moon, and stars and everything else because the Holy Spirit was hovering and now it has come crashing down. Greatest thing that can happen in your life or in mine is the Holy Spirit hovering over us. And then that moment comes, that circumstance comes, that opportunity comes, that God-blessed moment that you'll never forget. The Holy Spirit comes crashing down. He may do it early in your life, God be praised. They may do it late in your life, thief on the cross. Holy Spirit is hovering over the cross where the thief is hanging. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes crashing down upon his head. How do we know? Because no one can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. And the thief says to him, I believe in you, Lord. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's quiet there. It's only one tiny little section in Genesis 1 verse 2. The Holy Spirit hovered. And then this great explosion of life. Second time he's mentioned, it's rather loud. Pastor Sauer read it, Acts chapter 2, is rather loud. 120 people in this room, and the Holy Spirit comes crashing into that room. The sound of a mighty wind. The people hear the wind, and they come running to the house to see what this explosion of wind is all about. It's the Holy Spirit. Tongues of flame uh, sitting on their heads. And then they open their mouth, and these uneducated men, that's how they're described in the Bible, these uneducated men, they're speaking in other languages. We do not have 20 interpreters there. We do not have an interpreter for the Cretes, and we do not have an interpreter for those of Libya. There are no interpreters there, because the Holy Spirit is doing His work. And the Holy Spirit, they're speaking in tongues and everyone hears them in their own native language and they understand. That's what the Holy Spirit has done. And by the time the Holy Spirit is true with these men, Jesus had told them ten days earlier, I'm going up to heaven, you're going to Jerusalem, and I want you to hang around in Jerusalem until the power from on high comes upon you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and the power from on high was the Holy Spirit. And he says to them, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be transformed you no longer be fishing for fish. Some of you are going to stick around in Jerusalem. Some Judea, some Samaria. Some I'll send to Spain and to the other ends of the earth. And these disciples, when the Holy Spirit came, help me figure this one out, okay? Help me figure this one out. Jesus appears to them on the first Easter, right? He says, I'm alive. And the disciples all grasp it. They say, he's alive. Jesus risen from the dead. Thomas comes an hour later. Maybe he is one always late, okay? 
Comes an hour later, and the disciples say, Jesus is alive. And Thomas says, baloney. And Jesus comes one week later for one person, right? Ninety-nine sheep are safe, one is lost. Jesus comes one week later for the guy named Thomas. And he said, Thomas, hands and feet, stick your fingers where you need to stick them to know that I am alive. Tell me this now. They have seen Jesus risen from the dead. They spent three years watching Jesus do miracles, preach the kingdom. They saw all of this stuff. What did they do after they saw Jesus risen from the dead? Uh, They went back fishing. They went back fishing. As I read Ezekiel, this army of bones, skin and tendons were upon them. They came back. They stood up. But you remember the verse that says there was no life in them. There was no life in them until the Holy Spirit came and breathed into them life. And then they came alive. The disciples for 40 days were visited by Jesus three times after His resurrection. And uh, every time he visited them, he saw dead men. They were dead men. They knew that Jesus was alive, but they were dead men. And they took their fishing poles and their nets and they threw them into the Sea of Galilee. They were dead men. And Jesus knew they were dead men. And that's why he said before he ascended up into heaven, you can't help it that you're dead men because you need one element within you to bring you back to life. And the one element is waiting for you in Jerusalem. You go down there and you stay until the Holy Spirit comes. And when He came, stand back, because the world was never the same. Stand back. Simon Peter begins to preach. Does he just stop and say, hey, you guys, I know you think they're drunk, but they're not. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Is that where he stopped? Heaven forbid. He preaches for the next ten chapters and he just keeps on going. He just preaches and he preaches and he preaches and he preaches. He preaches the people on that day. You crucified Jesus. God raised Him from the dead. He is your salvation. A week later, he's preaching in front of the Sanhedrin who had Jesus executed. Acts chapter 6, there's a convention of priests and he's preaching to the priest and many of them came to the faith. These are cowards hiding on that first Easter lest they be captured and crucified. These are cowards. And then they go back to fishing. But when the Holy Spirit comes, the dry bones, no one is those disciples, they come back to life. And you know their story. You know that every single one of them ended up dying a martyr's death. Some of them so brutal they can't be talked about from the pulpits. And then you got the guy named John. He's the only one that didn't die a martyr's death, but they tried. Tradition says they threw him into a pot of boiling oil. And when he's struggling because of the pain, the pot spills over. He's poured out on the ground. And the people there say, let him live. The gods don't want him dead. And where does God send Mylon of Patmos? And what do we have because he sent him to the island of Patmos? We have the book of Revelation. That's what we have. They died martyrs' death. Why? Because they were dry bones. And the dry bones came back to life. And the one that brought them back to life was the Holy Spirit of God. Dry bones. Do we have dry bones in here? Do we have dry bones? 
Dry bones because someone you loved has passed to heaven. Dry bones because of cancer. Dry bones because of someone in the family has Alzheimer's. Dry bones, do we have them? Finances, job, relationships, broken relationships. Do we have dry bones? Genesis chapter 2, God makes Adam, forms him out of the dust of the earth, right? But I bet you didn't know this. There was no life in Adam. He forms him out of clay and dust. And the Bible said there's no life in Adam until God breathes into Adam the breath of life. And when he breathes into Adam, then Adam comes alive. Ezekiel 37, they're dry bones. They've come together. There's flesh on them, but they're not alive. They're dead dry bones still. Till the Holy Spirit comes, breathes into them. What happens to them? They go back to the land of Israel. They know that God is real. They've been away from Him for 200 years. And now because the Holy Spirit has come, they're back to Him, back in the promised land, delivering what God always intended them to deliver, the prophesying of God Himself to the people. Is Ezekiel prophesying to you today? No, Paul Strand is. Thank you. And last week, uh, Pastor Shower prophesying to you. And in that parochial school, the teachers prophesy every day. And when we prophesy to you, what are we bringing? We're bringing God's Spirit uh, through the promises of His Word. And the Bible says, John 14, which Pastor Shower just read, says the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will bring to your mind the truth of all things. That car accident that happened three weeks ago to two members of our congregation, they should have died. Looking at the vehicle, they should have died. And when they step out of that vehicle alive, what are the first words out of their mouth? God was with us. See, those two people are not uh, dry, dead bones. They have the Holy Spirit in them. And the first word that comes out of their mouth, God has done this thing. A couple called me a week ago. (laughs) They said something a bride and groom usually don't say. They say, uh, God has brought us together. We want you to marry us. God has done this thing. You and I, from our first grade teachers, we understand that two plus two equals four. Thank you, first grade teacher, kindergarten teacher. Thank you. But when you and I put two and two together with the events of this life, and you've got God's name plastered over everything, then that's the Holy Spirit. He will teach you all things and will bring to you a remembrance that everything that happens on this earth, Psalm 139, it is God Himself. The Holy Spirit teaches you it's God Himself that's involved. And when the really bad things happen in your life, 
and you cling to the 7,000 promises here. This past week, I visited one under hospice care. Family left the room after I had a devotion with the family. And I said to her, Is there anything that causes you fear as you're ready to meet your Lord? She said, Pastor, I'm one who believes that every sin that I've committed was forgiven a long time ago by God. I have His peace. There is no fear. Holy Spirit was in the room, you see. I am prophesying to you, and you will go out and prophesy to others. Because this thing called the Holy Spirit, it cannot be kept inside of you. John seven thirty eight. Streams of living water will enter you, the Holy Spirit, and streams of living water will leave you. Same Holy Spirit, you can't keep it in. There was a young man who went to Sandberg High School many, many years ago. His junior year was basically wiped out because of the illness that he had. And if he got to school, he'd spend most of the time in the bathroom because of the illness that he had. His parents would go to Sandburg and they would talk to the teachers and they would get his homework and they would get the tests that he needed to take. And the teachers would say, you know, God be with your son. There was a science teacher there at Sandburg. And the parents went and talked to this teacher, and they were collecting assignments and tests and everything else. And she said, it feels so badly for your son. No one his age should have to go through something like this. And then she said something to the parents. She said, I know your son fairly well. And I know that someday the light bulb will go off in his life. And everything will change. And that's exactly what happened. The light bulb went off. You're in a car accident and you don't know him. Man, good luck. I should go and buy a lottery ticket. If you know him, you just get goosebumps. And you say, God... You're at end-stage cancer. Your friends come over. They can't understand why you have such peace. They said, if I was in your shoes, I'd be tearing my head out. I just, I just want to end it all. And you smile because you know him. And you have his peace. I did a funeral ten days ago. It was in Indiana. He was 38 years of age, Jacob, and he died. His body is covered with tattoos from head to foot. He lived a very violent life. Drugs and alcohol came and went far too often. His brother Jonathan got up and spoke at his funeral. But what he had written down is he is too emotional to read, so Sarah is standing next to him, his fiancée, and she reads what Jonathan wrote. And Jonathan wrote this, prophesying to the 200 people 
with nose rings and earrings and multicolored hair and tattoos all over the place. Uh, he prophesies to these 200 people at the funeral. And he says this, When I was in high school, because my parents were not around very much, I was so far behind everyone else that I was bullied constantly. And my brother Jacob was my protector in high school. My brother Jacob was my protector. When I came home from the Marines, really disturbed because of everything I had seen and done, eight years in the Marines, when I came back, it was my brother Jacob who brought me back to church, put a Bible in my lap, and talked to me endlessly about Jesus Christ and what he could do in my life. My brother knew Jesus. The demons still came, but my brother knew Jesus, and he prophesied about Jesus to me and so many others. And at the end of the message, he said this, The greatest gift that you could ever give Jacob, my dear brother lying here, the greatest gift you could ever give him was for you to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is the greatest gift you could give Jacob. Isn't that something? Shower prophesies, strand prophesies. You know that first hymn that you sang was written in 800 A.D. <laughs> and we're singing it now still. The hymn writers prophesy. Jason on the organ prophesies. The choir prophesies. The handbell prophesies. The sacrament you shall participate in. You have all of this prophesying going on. And when it comes to you, does it stay with you? Heaven forbid. Thief on the cross prophesied. His story, one of the most famous ones in the Bible. I'll say this to you at the close. The Bible is full of dry bones. All you got in here is dry bones. You got Moses on the backside of the desert for 40 years. He's just dry bone territory until God comes to him in the burning bush. Says, Moses, time for your dry bone existence to come to an end. Get a little job for you. And Moses said, what's the job? And he said, I want you to go Pharaoh, set the people free. Moses says, I'm dry bones, and these dry bones, uh, I stutter when I talk. I'm not that material. <laughs> and God says, when I breathe my breath into you, you're going to be amazed at what you can do. The Bible is full of dry bone people. King Manasseh, King Manasseh, 55 years the most evil king Israel ever had, worse than Ahab and Jezebel. King Manasseh leads the people away from God, plants, plants idols all over the place, has nothing to do with God for 55 years. And then he's captured and the enemies are going to take him and he knows that they're going to torture him and put out his eyes and all that stuff. And you know what he does? He prays to God. <laughs> 55 years he's had nothing to do with God and all of a sudden he's in trouble. Who does he pray to? God. He says, God be with me. And what, is, what does God say? Does he say, that's a funny joke, Manasseh. Does he say that? 
Does he say to him, you're the most evil king Israel's ever had. You've destroyed salvation for so many. Is that what he says? He says, Manasseh, your sins are forgiven. Fifty-five years worth of sin. They are forgiven. And I'll breathe my breath of life into you. And you know what Manasseh did? Came back by God's grace to Israel, and he led the people back to God. And for as long as he lived, he led them back to God. Isn't that what it says the Holy Spirit does? He will teach you and bring to your remembrance all that God has done for you in the past and all that He's doing for you now. Dry bones. Dry bones. Woman at Sychar's well, she's thirsty. She gets the water, drinks it. An hour later, she's thirsty again until she drinks the streams of living water. And what are the streams of living water? John seven thirty eight. Streams of living water are the Holy Spirit of God. What does she do when she's filled with the streams of living water? She goes to Sychar and she floods the town. Says, come out to the well. Because Jesus is standing there. He's the Messiah. And they come out to the well. They listen to him prophesy. They listen to him speak in the same Holy Spirit that entered that woman. It entered them. The whole town comes to the faith. They said, not because of the woman's word, but because we heard Jesus. And the Spirit came. And we believe. You got dry bones going on right now. You got dry bone stuff going on right now. Grief, anger, hatred, fear, worry. You got dry bone stuff going on right now. You have been prophesied to. Connie and I have been prophesied to. And once the woman at Sychar's well is not dry bones anymore. And once the nation of Israel, Ezekiel 37, not dry bones anymore. Stand back. Because God's creative work shall never come to an end until the final day. And you are his light for this world. In our Savior's name. Amen. Heavenly Father, may your spirit hovering over the word descend upon this word. And may the Holy Spirit hovering over our heads descend upon us. And may the thirst that is part of our being in the Valley of Dry Bones right now, may that thirst for peace become ours as the Holy Spirit does what he did on the first day of creation. He no longer hovers, but he descends upon us. And everything changes when the Spirit descends. On this day of Pentecost, in our Savior's name, amen. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.